0: We are beginning the second session, very important session about education, civilization and its discontent. Our speakers, our president Edouard Nersesian, Dr. Charles Melman, who is the uh, president of. Lacanian International Association and co founder of Freud Committee. Claude Landman, who is psychoanalyst from the Lacanian International Association. Is Henri Lothan here? Mm -hmm. Yes. Henri Lothan, clinical professor of psychiatry. Near here, because Medicine Mont Sinai Hospital. Uh, Ernest Kafka, psychoanalyst, ancien president of this New York Psychoanalytic Association, and uh, Marilia Eisenstein, staying as a good fellow. Thank you, Eduardo. You, it's no time for you.
1: You, you can't hear me at all? <coughs> okay. Uh, ce matin, on a déjà commencé de discuter la malaise. Et moi, je préfère une formule qui est un peu plus euh, liquide, disons, où vous, ne, vous n'allez pas toujours vers vos rapports, mais que vous allez discuter ensemble des problèmes qu'on a confrontés déjà ce matin et qu'on va continuer à confronter cet après-midi. Uh, en sortant d'ici, uh, trois choses m'ont venu à l'esprit. En premier lieu, et, et j'ai noté ici, en premier lieu, c'est que Freud il a fait des promenades en dehors de son bureau de temps en temps, et quand il a fait ses promenades, il a écrit des œuvres comme Civilization and Discontent, The Future of an Illusion, uh, Beyond the Pleasure Principle. Mais le travail de, d'un psychanalyste se surtout limité à son bureau avec une personne. Et c'est assez difficile de résoudre la malaise ces un personne. Alors comment est-ce que on peut dire que, comme psychanalyste, nous sommes justifiés à regarder, à essayer de trouver des solutions à la malaise dans la civilisation et dans la société. Deuxième chose qui m'est venue à l'esprit c'est que l'éducation, euh, d'une certaine façon, ça fait cette propriété de notre cerveau. Il faut pouvoir apprendre des choses. Si on ne pouvait pas apprendre des choses, au moment de la naissance, on aurait tout et on continuerait comme ça. Donc, on est toujours en train d'apprendre de nouvelles choses. Par conséquent, le cerveau, Un certain degré, degré de plasticité et de flexibilité pour permettre de nouveaux euh, connaissances. Ceci étant, euh, il me parait que on peut facilement arriver à un, à un point parce que c'est dans les propriétés du cerveau du lavage du cerveau. Donc, euh, on peut même dire que nous, dans notre éducation, Par exemple, nous croyons si fort dans ce que Freud a dit que c'est une sorte de lavage du cerveau, comme toute éducation. Alors, comment peut-on euh, expliquer le fait et, et, et en plus, ce matin, euh, Mark Smoller a expliqué, a, a décrit une école où ils avaient mélangé la psychanalyse, la psychothérapie, etc. Ils ont pu changer ces, ces enfants, ces garçons, ces filles. Mais on peut faire la même chose à l'inverse à cause de ces propriétés du cerveau. Si on les avait mis dans une autre école avec des terroristes, on les aurait amenés à devenir des terroristes. Donc je crois on doit, on doit pouvoir aussi assimiler ça dans notre compréhension de ce qu'on parle aujourd'hui, concernant la malaise et la troisième chose que je voulais dire c'est que c'est le rôle du danger et de l'angoisse euh, nous sommes dans un monde où il y a toutes sortes d'inégalités il y a inégalité économique il y a inégalité de moyens sociaux il y a le problème de euh, climate change Qui sont tous vus comme des situations de danger dans notre vie. Alors, euh, et et quand il y a danger, il y a angoisse, quand il y a angoisse, il y a agressivité. Comment essayer aussi d'amener ces autres problèmes dans notre pensée et dans notre façon d'essayer de comprendre psychanalytiquement ce qui se passe dans le monde aujourd'hui À vous.
2: Thank you. As you can see, we haven't a common language to speak between us. The choice is English or French, and we don't hear the same things in each language. So, I will create now a new language. It's a pidgin made with uh, bad French and bad English. I think that pidgin is a very important language because in this language everybody is equal. Equal in knowledge. And in this language, there is no ideal. Hmm? And everybody is very glad to meet the other. And to know that he is like him. Hmm? There is a a big writer in Pigeon. His name is James Joyce. Hmm? And as we like his works, maybe you will agree with my Pigeon. Hmm? I think that the Jewish language is a form of pigeon Because it's made of words which came from, which come from all European nations and from Hebrew. Just grammar is German. Maybe it's a dream. If the Jewish was the language of the state of Israel, maybe the things were different. As we know, Fred said he didn't know why he was a Jew. He was not religious. It was not his nationality. It was not his ethic, law. So what? But he said, I feel I am a Jew. What? What does it mean? What we can say in my pigeon, is that uh, a Jew, like Freud, is always between two poles, one is a text, which he likes, which he wishes to understand, To have the true, the true word of the text and the word with its imperfections. And I I think that on his couch with his analysis he found that every body who is speaking has the same status between a text. Maybe he's unconscious. And the world, the world where he is, comme on va dire, insuffisant. (laughs) Uh, Voilà, thank you. You see, it's the same language. In pidgin, it's the same language. Okay. (laughs) Hmm. It's insufficient. So the, the trait, the same trait of identification is the trait of insufficiency? Insufficiency. But it's normal that we don't suffer it, and uh, each one wants or To have the true text, the last word, the true religion, and in the same way, have the land which is uh, the good one the real one. I think that if Freud failed, it's because he wanted that for his discipline, his followers, Lacan said, is full lovers, that is full lovers had the last word of his text and he wrote the outline of psychoanalysis, his last word, and he wanted that his school would be the true one, the true land of his discipline. So maybe that if we speak together a bit pidgin, and remember Joyce, Maybe we will obtain, gain, gain,, win to win. a better, a better what? Maybe we will be able to recognize that the other has the same difficulties. And ourselves, the same. And maybe this will be better for future.. cher Dr. Narcissian. Merci pour votre accueil et l'effort que vous avez fait pour cette réunion dont nous espérons beaucoup qu'elle va contribuer à notre démarche en cours auprès de l'UNESCO pour que Freud qui n'a pas eu le prix Nobel et c'est bien dommage pour que Freud soit au moins Reconnu comme appartenant, comme relevant du patrimoine mondial de l'humanité. Son enseignement appartient au patrimoine mondial de l'humanité et nous sommes très sensibles au fait que vous ayez bien voulu, comme aujourd'hui, contribuer à cet effort. Merci pour votre attention. (laughs)
3: Était
1: de polonais. Oui. Je le sens. Who wants to continue or respond to what uh, Charles said? Lord Zvi- okay. uh, Henry.
3: I'll uh, continue where you started. In what sense was Freud a Jew? The answer is in the sense of the prophets of Israel. He had a savior or redeemer complex of wanting to be the teacher of mankind. And he got that idea from a fellow like Isaiah, who said, which means from Zion will come light and God's word from Jerusalem. So, uh, talking psychologically and not geographically, Freud is a domain of culture, which goes back to Jewish roots in that sense, and he continues to teach mankind. Now, what was he teaching about? Uh, In my readings of Freud, I've come to the conclusion that the most important subject is the word that you use in connection with Lacan, the the f- uh, fool, full love. Fool, yeah, so it's about love. The basic message of Freud is about love, but he was shy about it, and his shyness comes through in the essay called Civilization and its Discontents. He cannot quite understand altruism of St. Francis or what love is about. But if you read early Freud, if you go to an essay about which I wrote a number of papers now, from 1905, which was written in 1892, which is before he was an analyst. He talks there about love and hate and envy. By the way, apropos Yiddish, his mother spoke Yiddish all her life to Freud. So he understood it very well and maybe spoke back too. Uh, She died in 1930, and there's a famous photograph of him with his mother, and you can see that Freud is a mama's boy. So he knew about love from the first teacher of love, which is the mother. Now, the place where he talks about love explicitly is in his letter to Einstein. Mm -hmm. Einstein asked him, Dr. Freud, the great psychologist of our time, what can you give us as an advice to end war? And that is the essay, Why War? Mm -hmm. And Freud says, increase eros. Mm -hmm. In the platonic sense as well of non-sexual love, but love writ large. Mm -hmm. So there it's explicit. Now, since we're talking about education, he said there are two impossible professions, teaching and psychoanalysis. So the educational aspect of psychoanalysis has not been stressed enough in our writings. Uh, It's not just the hard wiring of the brain for learning, but the learning experience, that the analyst is really a teacher To his patient as well as to society. So again, what does the ounce teach? What the mother teaches the child when he still doesn't know how to talk. The mother is the teacher of love and language. We have the broker center in the brain, but if it's not stimulated by a relationship of the mother who teaches, the child will not speak. And the wild children of Aveyron are the proof of that, that children in the wild who are not taught language cannot language, cannot learn it at any time again. So, um, if the Freud as a teacher, is wanting to teach mankind love, the analyst in his profession as an analyst is also teaching the patient how to love. And here, I would, say, I would say Erich Fromm made an important contribution in the art of loving. And he te- uh, cites from Deuteronomy, from the Book of Moses, love your neighbor like yourself. Why like yourself? Because if you do not love yourself, you cannot love another person. You will not understand a gesture of love if you don't have the love in you. There are many disappointments in love, of course, but the connection between healthy self-love and love of the other is very important.
1: What do you need to have that love your neighbor like you love yourself? Basically,
3: it's also hardwired and God-given if somebody doesn't destroy it. So the child has an instinct to love and the mother has an instinct to give love. And I'm always surprised that people like uh, Margaret Mahler, who was very eloquent about the mother-child relationship, never mentioned the word love in it. I heard the other day a lecture by Beatrice Beebe, who was a wonderful researcher of the maternal child infant uh, tie, but she also didn't use the word love. It's all about rapprochement, about closeness or things like that, but love is the essential ingredient in that relationship. So, I want to make my final point by juxtaposing it to what's the malaise. We are, as people today, under the influence of modern technology, we are now texting and sexting instead of talking to each other. This is a deficiency of love. And in Boston, at the IPA in July, there was a very good uh, talk by um, um, Chris Bolas about the decline of love in society, which is our malaise. Mm -hmm. That the relationships have become so artificial through technology that people don't face each other. They don't see each other. They don't touch each other. The opposite of love is hatred, and the opposite of good is evil. And Freud was concerned with evil after during and after World War One. And he wrote about it and used the word evil. So what is the evil in our time? In one sense it's lovelessness, and in another sense it's the rise of violence as a mode of being. And this is what we now see worldwide. After two wars which should have taught us the end of, to end all wars, we are here involved in a global, chronic warfare. We've lived now through the crisis in France. We've just had here a shooting the other day in California. We are really enveloped in the evil of violence. And here is something that we can transmit as a message. But to achieve it, Takes a lot of work. Thank you.
4: Well, after what my colleagues have already said, I want to emphasize especially one point. That is that Freud reintroduced in our modern culture, in the culture of modernity. What ancient Greeks? What, what was for ancient Greeks obvious that the relation to knowledge was linked by love. We, have to wait, we had to wait 2,500 years if we refer to Plato's Symposium we have to we had to wait 200 and 500 years to allow Freud to say that transference love was the basis of any kind of relationship and it was the basis of Education, the ancient Greeks knew that, and we have all testimonies of this fact. Love, transference love, which Freud sized with his encounter of hysteria, of hysterical patience, this uh, recognition of transference love, he extended it to all, most of all, the, the mankind relationship. So we are uh, in debt to Lacan, to have identified the structure of uh, what is the stake of the transference law. A marvelous object. The marvelous object that Alcibiades has seen in Socrates. And Lacan, in his seminar, Transference, tried to demonstrate that this marvelous object is the object of the fantasy. And uh, when uh, you are not able, after uh, a psychoanalysis, to understand, to realize that, you can, I just want to make, here, I just want to quote what Alcibiades said to uh, in the symposium. Excuse me. Alcibiades said. that when he saw what Socrates receives the agalma the marvelous object he receives he said there is there remained only one thing to do as soon as possible by quickest means do whatever Socrates commands this type of submission to the one who is supposed to receive the precious object to which is supposed to, 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 uh, to, to know know uh, what what is uh, the knowledge can be uh, a total submission with no division and um, the, the psychoanalysis is able to avoid for a subject to be in that kind of position. That means that that kind of submission we can find uh, in the relationship to a a leader, to a fewer, or also to a text with a, a T capital, revealed or not revealed. I would like to emphasize also that uh, after the exchange of this morning, that uh, the new uh, type of terrorism, which uh, surged in the last decades, is part of our civilization. I think our mass civilization is a civilization of enjoyment. And there is an enjoyment for those those, those people who are terrorists, who are are ready to to kill and to, 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 to be killed. an enjoyment of the nothing, of the nihil. And I want to emphasize this point because it is on the mar- there is a market of enjoyment. But how can we understand that uh, young people who are not Muslim, in France, young people can be seduced by uh, by the way we know the, the, the social networks uh, internet can be seduced by this kind of enjoyment which is a kind of uh, enjoyment of the, of the of the nihil and that we can refer to the death drive that uh, Freud uh, discovered and uh, emphasized in civilization and in this content. I think Freud pointed out that uh, this kind of death, death drive is what later on Lacan will call jouissance, enjoyment, and uh, the, the, the the enjoyment of, the, of of the nothing, of the nihil, is the ex- expression. I mean, in in our world today, of uh, the death uh, drive. Okay, um, I will stuck there.
1: I have a couple of questions, but let's hear from Ernie. Uh, Well,
5: I'm a late arrival and a a semi-volunteer in this chair, (laughs) and uh, I anticipate having a certain amount of negative response to whatever I have to say, Uh, because I'm generally regarded as, first of all, too too provocative, and uh, secondly, too incomprehensible, and uh, then there are a few other, few other problems about me. But I'll do my best to try to put my thoughts into a form which, at least, you'll be able to follow me, and uh, whether you agree or not. And the first thought is that the uh, that participating in a, in a group like this, uh, whether you call it pigeon or whether you call it uh, uh, whether you, whether you call it the Tower of Babel. Uh, there is always uh, a, a very individual quality to the way that uh, the speakers look at things, and the connection, and the uh, uh, and so forth, uh, as 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 with uh, art criticism <coughs> or uh, analysis of uh, of confidential spy data, etc. Uh, it requires a lot of translation, and as we all know. Uh, a translation is never really truly faithful to the original meaning or the original intent of the person who's speaking. And of course, we also realize that the original intent and the original meaning is not really something that can be closely defined because meanings are very multiple and words have different meanings. Sometimes identical words in different contexts have opposite meanings. Freud. Uh, one of the things, of course, that that uh, that Freud imposed upon us, uh, the following directions was, uh, generations was, the uh, the understanding and to some extent, the even more than uh, intellectual understanding, of uh, the fact that uh, in our minds things are going on constantly, which are mutually contradictory, which are not uh, even sequentially satisfiable and which are not necessarily definable. And uh, this situation, of course, also exists in other elements, in other branches of knowledge. For instance, current physics, uh, which is supposed to be an experimental uh, uh, field, has in it let's see, one, one, one theory, which is not very popular anymore, string theory theory, for which there's no possible experiment. Nobody can figure out how you could do an experiment to support it or not support it. Uh, there's a nice interesting book by a very uh, charming and uh, delightful author named George Musler, uh, who takes up again the, uh, the problem of, uh, of uh, mechanics in terms of, uh, of uh, like Newtonian physics. Uh, the uh, the pin the, the the pinball or the or the uh, uh, the uh, uh, <coughs> what is it that you play with it with with an billiards. eight, eight well, billiards yeah the you you everything everything happens by contact one particle gets hits another particle and it veers off etc etc versus uh, what is the uh, how do you then account for the attraction of gravity or the uh, or the appearance of ripples on the uh, on the water, or, uh, or uh, uh, static electricity, etc., uh, which which seem to operate at a distance. So uh, we we have no solution of this. There are many other things that we are interested in knowing about, about which we have no solution. As a matter of fact, if you draw a list of opposites like uh, reality and uh, and uh, and fantasy, uh, how does reality, how do they connect? How do they integrate if they integrate? If you take Charlie Brenner's idea about everything is a uh, compromise formation, well, how does that take place? All it is is another way of saying something that we really have known for a long time that a lot of different factors, inclinations, forces, etc., mechanics go into every act that we commit and uh, we don't know all of, all of what's going on. So you, you cover it with, uh, with, 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 a, with a piece of, of language which may satisfy uh, people. some people that, well, now we know something more that, than we knew before, but uh, generally I wouldn't say that's the true. I made a whole list while I was talking here of, uh, of these things. We have Naturwissenschaft and we have Geisteswissenschaft. Naturwissenschaft is supposed to be the experimental uh, learning about the uh, about the real world. The Geisteswissenschaft is supposed to be the study of human relationships and psychology and anthropology and so forth. This is, this is like what's the brain and what's the mind? Well, we, we, we have a mind and what the mind is is something which we look at the brain from a certain point of view and the brain is something which we look at with our minds from a point of view, but the, where's, where's where, how do how do they connect? Well, we we we're in in in, in the dark ages. Uh, so similarly, sci- secondary process and and primary process. Uh, the the original problem that that the Freud solved with the topographic theory is still is is still a problem. We still have a problem with the topographic theory. How does the conscious become unconscious? How does the unconscious become conscious? What about the con- the unconscious, which was never conscious, etc., cetera, et cetera, We we, we haven't uh, we haven't any really satisfactory answers to that question. Uh, okay, I I, I just want to tell you the name of the book by George Musser, is uh, "Spooky Activity at a Distance," and uh, it's a charming book, and uh, I. I I recommend it. Uh, I recommend it to you. Then we have the question of language, with this uh, which this gentleman uh, brought up. Uh, what what is the connection between Chomsky's deep language, which uh, which is supposedly a neurological development, which takes place at approximately the same age in every human being uh, all over the world, and the language which we learn, like English or Yiddish or whatever it is, and how is one Communicate with the other and 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 go together with the other and does a law of cause and effect, which we uh, which we uh, uh, which we regard as a sort of sacri- sac- sacrosanct, at least insofar as the fact that the cause has to precede the effect. Uh, this, is, this is also part of what apparently appears as part of the deep language, the difference between a wor- a verb, and a uh, and a noun, and what's acted on and what's acting, which seems to just, uh, just appear in a, cer- in a certain way everywhere. Anyway, so uh, I think we have a lot of different, a lot of problems, there's a lot we don't know. Uh, when it comes to social problems, let's say, in the Geisteswissenschaft, if you look at the history of the world in the last hundred years, uh, you wouldn't say that it's been very tranquil. We've had a World War I, a World War 2 we've had Multiplication of populations, which uh, uh, which have been enormous and beyond the capacity of countries to deal with and to manage, we've had migrations of peoples, which was very interesting to uh, to Tolstoy when he wrote about the. Uh, uh, about the uh, Napoleonic War in, uh, in Russia? How does it happen that these masses of people get up and they go and they invade and they move and do this? What, what does this? How, what is the aura of a leader? How does Hitler get to be loved by hundreds of millions of people? And he was loved by hundreds of millions of people. They followed him, they did everything. How, how did, what, what, what kind of communication is involved from him? to somebody else. And what language is it that, uh, that, that, that he is speaking when he communicates his enthusiasm and his aura, etc. I mean, there's so many things we don't know. So we're in a great situation, let's say, of ignorance. And nobody likes to be ignorant and everybody likes to think they know. And they want to know what's going to happen next, whether it's in the stock market or whether it's their children and grandchildren. And they want to make sure that things go sort of the way that they want them to. But they have no way of knowing what the next cataclysm is going to be. And somewhere in their minds, they're aware of it. it. Now, uh, two years ago, I didn't wake up one morning, uh, but I woke up six weeks later in a hospital. And, uh, and the thing was that uh, uh, my dog found me lying on the uh, floor in the bathroom in Florida where we, where we were living. And I was whisked off to a nearby emergency room and uh, where my stopped heart was uh, revived and, uh, and so forth. And uh, people, people operated on me and did this and that and so forth. But I missed six, six uh, weeks of, <laughs> of life. And, and, and by the time I came back, there was such a delirium that I didn't know where I was or what was happening on And I had the most mysterious hallucinations and complicated stories, which actually would be very interesting to make into some, into some fiction. But that, that, that I, I had no premonition about this and the doctors didn't tell me that there was, there was something wrong. But it, was, but it made a significant difference in my life to the extent that post-traumatic stress disorder is not something that I can just uh, say I know about uh, and uh, so on. Uh, I t- I'll tell you something else uh, about, about the effect of the war. I was born in Vienna. And at a certain point, my family moved to New York. Uh, there, were, there were many anxious days between 1932 when I was born and the end of 1938 when we arrived in New York. And uh, many people were lost to me. My original language was lost to me. Uh, many, many foods, airs, aromas, all kinds of things disappeared. And I, ga- and I came to a country in which I was hardly welcome and uh, which was in the throes of a depression and uh, which had a population, which was hardly at all eager to get involved with the uh, uh, miserable affairs of Europe for which the Europeans were blamed or the Jews were blamed to some extent and so forth. So it was was a difficult time. And the, 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 the the result of this was significantly, if I look back on it, that it had a profound effect on my character, my personality, my choice of profession, whatever it is. First, because of the relic of the Central European background I had. And Freud was a friend of my family. So I heard, all oh, Freud, oh, Freud, Freud, all my life. So, well, I thought he was an interesting guy. You know? <laughs> and he belonged to the, to, to the Bnei B'rith, of which my great-grandfather was the general secretary. And so, I, oh, and, then I, and then somebody told me, you know, with psychoanalysis, you can make people better than they were before they got sick. And I thought that was great. So that, uh, that was the relics of the past, but they're also uh, relics of the traumatic aspects of it, which uh, like, uh, certainly aggravated by this health problem that I had a couple of years ago. But if you wanna understand psychology and really approach group psychology, and first of all, the group is made up of people who feel that they have some similarity that there's some kind of chemistry, that there's some kind of unity, that there's some kind of safety in something which is like an extension of a family or, or a tribe or a nation or a religion, right? So there are these attracting qualities. And then there is the definition of what one is is by what one is not. Kai Erikson, who is a son of a yeah, son but,
1: of, uh, should I uh, you don't have to stop and you were understandable. It wasn't, you started by introducing your comments saying you're not usually understandable. I think you were fully understandable. Whether, but the relevance. whether I agreed with everything you said, I don't know. But I, you want to respond to something you yeah, said? Yeah,
3: I, I want to pick up on one point that Ernie, that you made. First of all, your background is fascinating. Coming from Vienna and all these connections and the immigration and everything. Uh, I mean, you should write a memoir about yourself. It's doing good. (laughs) okay? (laughs) But I want to pick up on what you mentioned is Freud's essay of 1921, Group Psychology and Analysis of the Eagle. It's crucial to understanding the dynamics of what's going with the jihadists today. To understand this even better, you should uh, also know what Stalin and Hitler did with their youth in Russia, in the Soviet Union, and in Germany. Mm-hmm. They both made an appeal to the young to leave their families and give the allegiance to the leader. Mm-hmm. Stalin did that, and Hitler did the too with the Hitler Jugend.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: He said and he made them swear allegiance to him with the Hitler-eid. So the point that Freud made in in this essay is, what is the role of the leader and the masses? Why is the leader attractive? Number one, he gives them love. And number two, he gives them absolution from doing evil because he takes on their conscience and says, I am the leader of your conscience and I permit you to kill in the name of whatever you choose to kill. And the same thing happened with Mao Zedong and the revolution of the Red Revolution in China. There was always a transition from the traditional family, from the traditional society, to the new uh, leader who promises them
5: paradise. Well, if I may answer this, uh, you you omit the context in which these things take place. Uh, The context in which Hitler uh, promoted this idea was betrayal in the First World War yeah, I know and that. Uh, so on, and the rights of the Germans and the, and the terrible Versailles Treaty and revenge. And of course, this happened after the end of the First World War in the Treaty of Versailles. Right. The French and the British couldn't get, wouldn't stop the war because they were so busy negotiating about which parts of the Ottoman, Ottoman Empire they would take over at the end of the war. So, and the French wanted revenge. It's, I mean, this revenge is- Well, there's always
1: a context, but yeah. is it-
5: And, well, let, let me go on just a second. And I, I, I've been watching uh, the television series that uh, uh, some, some, somebody made about uh, the Second World War and the same uh, methods are used to make killers out of our Marine Corps or out of our army, as were used by Hitler. You, the, and, and, and the, one of the men says, uh, well, when I enlisted, I really didn't understand how you could kill. But they trained us to kill, they trained us to kill. But it wasn't until I got to Tarawa, the Japanese island, which was uh, captured with great difficulty, when I saw that my buddies who were captured by the Japanese were tortured and their genitals were stuffed in their mouth. Then I said, I'm going to kill. And I'm going to kill every day. I I won't stop until it's
1: it's But I think you make a good point, which is what I was trying to get on when I made my introductory comments. You can train people to do evil things.
5: But they're not evil in their minds.
1: They're in the context of, I'm defending my country. Well, that's part of the training. In other words, you can use various. it's It's also part of the reality.
5: It was real that Hitler was going to take over, and that you would be under a dictatorship, which was cruel, sadistic, and so forth.
1: No, no, I understand that. But okay. what I'm trying to say is that there is something about the way the mind is, or the brain is, that you can actually train it to do things that you would imagine normally that person wouldn't do. One of them but, but not is killing, and not I a wanna... normal reality.
5: But the reality is not normal. You need an abnormal reality in order to carry that out. Like the Germans needed an abnormal reality in Germany I with dispute. a chaotic structure, a depression, a hunger, out of work, etc. They needed that. that I would don't
1: dispute were, the context, no. which is why I said there are other factors involved in what's going on now. And there have always been other factors involved, whether they were right. economic, social, whatever. Right. You always have other factors involved. But I'm a little bit concerned about two things that uh, the two of you talked about, which is this business that, in, in a way, Freud created this duality between mm-hmm. uh, libido and aggression or love and aggression. But things are not that simple. The, because Freud also introduced the concept of ambivalence. So when you talk Bleuler. about...
3: It comes from Bloiler.
1: Fine, comes from Bloiler, but that pertained more to a psychotic state than what the way Freud used it. But the concept so it's not so simple that all you have to do is just to give love and it would stop the work of aggression because sometimes very aggressive acts are committed out of the person's sense of love. One of those is when at the end, you know, there are situations where a husband or a wife kills the other because he's the other in such distress or suffering or whatever that just c- commits what we would consider an aggressive act. So it's not, I, I think, to make it black and white today is a bit too uh, simple. And I think that applies to this business of the death instinct. We can't just say, well, it's the death instinct that causes it. No. Because it explains nothing. No. It, it says nothing. First of all, we don't even know if it exists, but even if it existed, what causes it to do something at one point and not at another point, uh, is mysterious. So I think uh, things are not as clear. I don't dispute the value of love, but... (laughs) But, so
5: what do you dispute? Well, I don't... you, you didn't hear... I was right when I said I hope you hear you hear and understand. No, no, I agreed with what. Because I didn't say I said my idea about that, about the disparity between the two extremes, right, is that Freud pointed these out, and he forced us in a certain way, to look at them. And of course, he also pointed out that they are extremes and and the unconscious. You know what I said: uh, opposites at the same time and so forth. But these are. These are difficult. We float around in a land of a miasma of incomprehension. We don't understand where the universe came from. We can't really figure out about about the black holes. We can't see why <laughs> reconcile uh, uh, what you call it, the uh, rel- relativity and, uh, and the particle physics and so forth. Because there's, this, the, 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 the information we have is this, a piece of this, a piece of this. How does it fit together? We don't know. Now, is that, does that make us happy? No. And the second thing is that we have all lived through times in which we have been traumatized. And it's not only being separated from the mother. It's not only from having no parents because uh, half the population has been, has been killed. It's not only that, that gross. Now we learned that all right, also in, in, in smaller ways, you have an operation and you have a, you have a, you have a psychotic uh, uh, episode afterwards, right? After, after you recover, once you've had that, you'll never forget it. I'm telling you, you Once you've had a serious depression, you'll never forget that this happened to you. And it will make you con- continually somewhat
1: apprehensive. <laughs> Give him a chance, yeah, yeah. Hmm?
4: Um, love, love, for, for, uh, for Freud was first heroes. It's not love in general, it's, eros, that means the problem, the problem is, are we able to consider that uh, love, eros, is linked with the knowledge? That is important point I would like to, to emphasize today. Because it is uh, what we can, we can uh, feel in our practice of psychoanalysis. <coughs> that the patient, the love transference is related to what the patient supposed we know about his desire, about his unconscious. so. This is not love in general and, and, and not, not only mother's love, but love that Freud called Eros in reference to, to the God, Eros, which was the little God who who, <laughs> who made uh, difficulties to everybody. So I think this is. Uh, I want to. to, to I want to, to make a precision here. Be, be, so it's not love in general. We have to deal in psychoanalysis. We have to deal with love, hate, and knowledge. And the difficulty is to link these this three uh, references. I think uh, it, it would. Uh, Need a whole colloquium to to, to, to you. discuss that. To discuss that, but uh, well, that's what I want to say. No.
1: Really.
6: Yes, I wanted to, to say too, something about love, because uh, I agree with you. Love is is now we prefer to speak of sexuality or erotism, but love has become an obscene concept. It's very A four letter word. Exactly. But what I wanted to say is that, of course, uh, it's very, very, things are very complicated. Because those young people, those young French or Belge Belge, who leave to go and be trained uh, by Al-Qaeda and work with ISIS, they are also looking for love. They are looking for a family which will love them and invest them. The problem is that there is a kind of love which is a total love which includes total submission to the object mm-hmm. and another kind of love which is a, a love with the capacity of keep, keeping a his or her thinking process. Mm-hmm. So the c- capacity to love but to say no. That I will not do. I will not accept. And those two kinds of love are very different. i
7: didn't. Freud say that hatred is older than love. He did. Primary, primary to love. Yeah, this was an
3: opinion. This was a an opinion. An opinion. He
7: not, said, his words. Yeah,
3: it's an opinion. It's not a proved fact.
1: Well, that's true of a lot of stuff.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I want to... Uh, respond to you Marilia first of all uh, women understand love somewhat better than men
1: I don't know about that
3: that's an opinion
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's a proof
3: but the proof of it is in Socrates (laughs) in the symposium on love in the symposium Socrates finally goes to Diotima and says teach us about it so that's a fact now, I wasn't offering a simple solution. Far from me, I was exciting Freud, I was trying to say, this is the enormity of the problem. We are supposed to say something to UNESCO and the United Nations. Yes. So our job here is practical, not theoretical. I don't care much about Freud's theories. I care about Freud's method, which is where it is. Now, from that point of view, we, are now, we have to solve many problems of mankind. We have to solve the problem of the Third World War, to do everything to avoid confrontations between the Soviets now, the Russians, and the Americans in a global confrontation, which is a very serious matter. And we have to take care of the environment. And we have to teach something the world about the lovelessness that there is and how to increase it. So. These are all important educational tasks for somebody like ourselves, a psychoanalyst. I
1: agree. I heard uh, that a lot of young people in New York, I don't know if it's true from the States, because nowadays because of the ease of communication, people from all over the country, all over the world communicate with each other. But I heard a lot of young people when there was the reaction to the events in Paris, A lot of people were very upset in this city, but a lot of young people said, how come nobody was upset when just a few days or weeks before there was the event in Beirut, and nobody was upset when there was the plane crash in uh, Egypt? And so, in a way, there continues to be a certain difference of reaction over terrorist attacks that we ourselves subjectively feel uh, in this current situation, yeah. which I think also needs explaining.
0: Yeah.
3: No,
1: I agree. And, and so, is it that you love uh, the French more than you love the Egyptians or the Russians or the the people from Beirut? No,
3: there is a simpler explanation. It's okay. what the journalists prepare for us to read. As far as I'm concerned, I feel Compassion and I feel moved by any violence anywhere in the world where innocent people are killed. Whether it's Beirut, whether it's the West Bank, whether it's Israel, whether it's California, any such event is like John Donne said in For Whom the Bell Tolls, the bell tolls for us because we are now living in a global world.
1: Yeah, but ha- you're, you don't solve the problem because what you are saying is this is, well, me. I'm a compassionate man. But the reality of it is that a majority of people in this city that I know better than the rest of the country reacted a lot more to the events in Paris than they did to the other events. And same innocent people were killed.
5: Yes. Well, you don't need my
1: permission. (laughs) I'm not the teacher. I don't have to You don't need my permission. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't need
5: it. No. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 somebody mentioned uh, uh, the, the transference, which it would be hard not to hear, not to have mentioned. Uh, the interesting thing about the transference, about one, my, one of my analyses, was uh, uh, I was a, a youthful and a naive person at the time, and uh, I said to my training analyst at, at that time, Martin it was Martin's guy. I said, "Martin, you know, uh, I know what you're like because I can I can tell what you're like. You're 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 quite moral and you're somewhat moralistic and you're also diffident and shy." <laughs> and he said, "That's transference." I said, "No, that's reality. I really I really know that that's true." He says, "That doesn't mean anything. Transference can be reality." I mean, you can have a transference which is in, which is the same as which is the same as re- as the reality. And after a long time, I came to the realization that one of the things that we learned at the beginning, which was to adopt this uh, very objective attitude, the, the patient is looking out the window and telling you what he sees, and the doctor is like a surgeon, and he has a, has a field in front of him, and he's not really involved with it, is, is, is wrong, that if you don't have a so-called uh, let's say, uh, well, what do they call it? Uh, therapeutic, therapeutic relationship, which uh, p- people like Phyllis Greenacre said, is goes back to infancy and uh, the relationship well, or and, and the relationship to the mother. If you don't have that, in reality, in some way, there has to be some communication between you and the patient, and oftentimes that is enhanced by your having had somewhat similar experiences. And when I was interviewed, it was at a time when people thought the criteria for an analytic uh, uh, training would be that the person was a literate, cultivated person. So people asked me, what are you reading now? And they didn't want to know what I was reading uh, uh, chemistry or uh, or Freud, Freud. they wanted to know what literature I was reading. And so the question of what do you know from life as you get older and how does it add to your wisdom and your capacity to have a relationship with a patient and understanding what the patient has to say is, is, is extremely important. So without a similarity of some kind, a shared experience, there's no transference that, de- that develops then the person has to have a certain confidence, confidence so you that the analyst will that's understand them. Are you
1: uh, saying that's the reason for the response different to the events in Paris than in uh, Jean-Marchais? Yes, the people who,
5: who you live with, who, who are on your block, who you see at the cafe, are more important to you. You have a connection with them. You already know each other in a certain way, and not only on a, verbal, on a verbal basis, but you dance the same way. French women can walk in a way which is so wonderful that no other women can do it. <laughs> okay. but,
1: but all right, I'm gonna stop there with the, the French ser- women. <laughs> uh, do you all wanna say one last thing before I go to the audience?
3: Well, addressing the point that you raised earlier, we should have psychoanalysis volunteers to go to churches, to town meeting, to all kinds of groups, and address these young people, and give them a different message, and teach them something about it. This is what we should be doing. Dernièrement. Two points. I
2: think you are true. Freud was a prophet he was a prophet of the fact there is no prophetism because at the end of the queue he teaches to each of his analysants that there is no voice to answer his sufferings and he has to do by himself so we are true, it was a prophet, that's right. Second point, love. Love begins when I miss something, I don't know what. But it is surely something very important because with this lust, I begin to be a lover. I begin to know what is love. But if I meet the real object I lost, so begin hatred. So true love. The best love is able to begin hatred. And hatred, sorry. And it's true that Freud, with his followers, il a connu il a connu he knew he knew that. Hmm. His best lovers were his murderers.
3: Like Moses.
2: Like Moses, it's true. So I think we have to have that in mind when we speak about true love. Thank you.
1: any ladies, Marilia? OK, questions. Same place.
8: Reporting in the microphone. <laughs> I my lesson. Well, we all know that it's possible to quote Freud on both sides of probably every major question, including love. And uh, while that's true, uh, I would like to uh, uh, disagree with my good friend, Svi, and say that the sort of angle he's taking in inter- interpreting Freud is somewhat distorted. First of all, factually, Freud's relationship with his mother, we now know, there's a consensus, was very problematic, if not traumatic. The whole idea of my golden siggy turns out to be a big myth. And as a result, uh, he felt unlovable. He wrote that to Martha, and he wrote that to Jung. Uh, and loving was very problematic for him. Uh, and uh, to suggest that, uh, you know, Freud said, yes, uh, psychoanalysis is a cure through, through love, by which I think he meant it was a, a cure through transforms. but. I think his letters to Roman Roland, for example, uh, go against what Zvi was suggesting, namely that he thought love was the answer. I mean, he wrote to Roland and said, well, this vision of universal love that you're, uh, you're promoting, he said, it's very beautiful. But he said, but as a Jew, with the history of my people, I simply can't agree with it or ascribe to it. Uh- I think the real text to look to, to try and decipher his position on love, or a, a, an important text, is uh, Inhibition, Symptoms, and Anxiety. And there, love comes up in the context of his discussion of helplessness. And he says, because we're born so helpless, uh, we're uh, dependent for an extraordinary long time, and love plays a bigger role for the human species than any other. So the need for love grows out of infantile helplessness, as does the need for religion. They both have the same source in infantile helplessness. So I think his, his position is, or the uh, a, a, a position is, uh, that uh, if the child with this need for love meets a good enough environment, the facilitating environment, uh, they can overcome their omnipotence in a good enough way and uh, love in what we could call a healthy way for lack of a better word. But if the child doesn't uh, uh, encounter a good enough facilitating environment, uh, they don't uh, resolve their need for omnipotence sufficiently. And I think that's what relieves totalitarianism Uh, to fundamentalism and to fascism. And their love is really based on uh, the model for love is the hypnotist, that the one is mesmerized by the love object and wants to become totally subservient to it. Uh, And then one last point uh, to tie in the remarks about Ford's Judaism. Uh, I think if uh, you can make a case that when Freud says, well, you know, I don't read the holy text, I'm not practicing Jew, blah, 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 what's left? Uh, I think what's left for him uh, is his identification with Moses and identification with Moses in a particular sense. Moses was the iconoclast, was the destroyer of idols. uh, Moses was involved in a critique of illusion, like Freud later became involved in. And I think for him, that's what was fundamental. Uh, And that's what allowed him to claim he was maybe the best Jew that ever existed. Uh, But then you have to, uh, uh, I have to point out something about the whole Mosaic tradition. Uh, And Jan Osman has discussed this at length, that with the whole notion of the Mosaic divide between the true gods and the false gods, critique became possible. Later, science became possible. But also, uh, religious hatred and fundamentalism became possible. Uh, So there is a tremendous ambiguity uh, in this identification with Moses. Uh, It seems like it's it's necessary if one wants to be involved in the critique of idols, of destruction, of illusion. But on the other hand, because there is this, seems to be this divide between true and false gods, uh, religious violence and hatred is also latent in it. Thank
7: you. Uh, I'm Ed Robbins from New York, and uh, just to add a little bit to what Joel was speaking about, that God, uh, in the Judeo-Christian tradition, is seen as, as the totally other, the ganz andere, though the one that is absolutely different. And from that point of view, God can be hated as well as loved. And that uh, often the uh, equation is made between the mother as being the first ganz andere, they're totally different and that in that sense that there is a total difference there is a hatred that is appropriate and I think it's why and I would disagree with Zvi on this very much that in several places Freud says hatred is primary to love in humans it's fundamental first and, and love is, comes after that
1: Any other comments, questions?
6: Can I? Just yes. Yes. It's, it, it's an answer to you. I think that when Freud says that hatred is primal, uh, he really means that, of course, hatred must be primal because you have to recognize the other to be able to love him
7: Alvarez, Alvarez.
6: exactly right. if you
4: want
1: i think
2: charles wanted there is a proof of it when a boy big boy lives with his mother He doesn't know what is love. Maybe he's happy. Maybe. But he doesn't know what is love. But he will begin always to hate her. And uh, sometimes uh, the the end of this uh, complicity is tragic, so you know effectively that hatred the presence même de l'objet
6: the presence of the object
2: the presence of the object generates hatred and yes. robbins uh, I am. I agree, you won't say it but there is. Yeah, uh, think, uh,
1: have you have to come to the. Claude <laughs> the... Landemann,
7: um, about this enjoyment of nihil that you speak about, spoke about earlier in our civilization.
4: Difficult. Uh, we need time to elaborate that, but uh, thank you for the, the question. Uh, the problem is that, um, like I said, many young French people who were not Muslims Has been seduced by a kind of enjoyment shown on the not social network on internet and adorate to, to Islam, but not, not really in a religious way. they want, they want to participate through this kind of uh, enjoyment enjoy, enjoyment, which is which I I, uh, I try to 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 explain by uh, the enjoyment of the nihil of the of the nothing, just the destruction. But not only a destruction. It is the, the people who killed the young French Muslims who killed the young French people who were in, in, in the Batak they, they, some some weeks before, they they went to 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 dance to 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 to, to uh, drink uh, alcohol. They were not really. Uh, it was it it, it is not a, it it's not really a kind of religious fanatism. It's something more uh, or even something less. I don't know. But uh, I speak on, on, on a French point of view. And that, what Ed said, he said, well, why are we most, uh, most concerned about what happened in Paris and in, uh, in, in Beirut or in Sharm uh, in el-Sheikh? I think we are most concerned because French young people we are not all uh, ignorant, who, who share until uh, some weeks before they, they, they commit the, the, their crimes, who shared uh, with other young peop- French people uh, shared the, the, the same way of uh, enjoying. From from, from uh, in 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 few 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 weeks or few days, they 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 became uh, killers, and, uh, and and enjoy that. There is, I think there is a market of enjoyment in our mass civilization. And this market of enjoyment, it's 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 very it's very uh, uh, polymorph. Uh, it's a proteus, and one of it, of, its, um, of its of its of uh, its form is this kind of nihilism. But it is it is always in, in the in in our civilization. We don't have to think that it, there is a war between a civilization against another civilization. Like like you say, we are a global world.
8: Yes, I I will repeat
3: it.
4: Hmm?
3: I will repeat the accusation that at least among the militant Muslims who kill others and then kill themselves, I would say there is a jouissance of the cruelty and the sadism and the so this is the, the problem here. But I think when it comes to uh, the French uh, jihadists and the French killers, they were also anti-Semitic. Also- they were anti-Semitic. Not not well. Not uh, all. Not all. I'm not saying all, but enough. So on the one hand, anti-Semitism plays a role, and I would say that from the vantage point of history. The, Muslim, the militant Muslims today are doing from the Catholic Church did in the Middle Ages with the Inquisition. And in that sense, there is a conflict between this conception and the civilized world. I mean, it's complicated by the fact that uh, the big powers are still warmongering uh, and arranging all kinds of proxy wars. But at least there is a uh, a certain consensus, and I would like to mention one more element about Freud, that he believed in the power of reason, and the power of dialogue and negotiation, yes. which is in, uh, oh, goes to the Lumiere, the Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Of course. And, and that aspect is also endangered today. Yeah. That was just your just point. One word.
4: I, I, I am not speaking about what is uh, happening in the Middle East. I'm not speak, i'm speaking no, no. Of, of of the French situation of the french mo- yeah. young muslims uh, and also the French young terrorists who are not muslims were not Muslim and were well educated it's i think it's too easy to so to oppose yeah. uh, islam to a kind of uh, radicalism uh, of Islam to to the, the rest of the uh, civilized no, world. No,
3: I'm talking about the militant Islam. I'm not talking about okay, the, all of Islam. But
4: we we, we were talking about uh, what happened in, in Paris and yeah. Ed's asked why we were
5: right. most
4: concerned. But what happened in Paris and in uh, right. in Egypt? So I, I tried to to, to take. To give an answer, I I don't pretend it's it's a good one. uh, (laughs) We we have to to discuss about that. But I I, I would like to emphasize, after the the, the question the the young lady uh, um, uh, has asked me, that there is there is really a market of enjoyment. Uh, Charles, uh, Charles, 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 uh, Pigeon. Uh, used to say that uh, uh, when you take drugs, it's it's a kind of enjoyment who leads to death, which leads to death. It's it, is it a real important difference between a, a young uh, uh, f- a young uh, French or American? Uh, uh, guy or girl uh, who is uh, a, a, a terrorist or with uh, a drug drug addicted I, there is also another thing i want to 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 say the, the problem the, the hyper narcissism the, the the people in france and the on the former uh, Killings in November. The guy registered himself and with uh, recorded himself. Recorded. You record. You remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was. It is uh, the selfie. The narcissism. It's all part of the of the, the. uh, the ways the, the the young terrorists uh, almost in france uh, uh, try to, to 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 exist to i don't know it's 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 i it's it, it, it concerns psychoanalysts
1: we have one uh, last comment
5: and then we stop i want to put in a word for uh, uh, something that the f- in France is not always appreciated uh, and that is ego psychology. There is also maturation. Uh, I give you an example from my life. I have been with my wife for 62 years. Until she became demented I did not realize how much I loved her. I loved her but I didn't realize how much. Very significant. Second second example. That has to do with uh, with you have to you have to be a little bit old, après uh-huh. coup. So something which at a certain point in life does not have a great significance, like the death of somebody for a child, you can attribute the non-response to whatever you want. You can say it's denial, or you can say whatever it is. But at a certain point, the 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 guilt, the mourning. And also if you talk about survivor, survivor guilt, you have to survive sometimes for quite a long time before you experience the guilt that you have for surviving. So there is a certain element of maturation which, which, uh, which is involved. It's not all narcissism or jouissance, you know. It's also judgment and it's also experience and it's also how human you are and how not human you are when you're an adolescent
1: or a child. <laughs> Last comment from Emil Male. Is that typical?
0: Uh, says that hate is before love in psychoanalysis. I think it's very interesting to have a comparison between psychoanalysis and the Bible and the Talmud. In the Bible, it's written, "Ve'ahafta achicha Kamoha. It means you will love your brother as yourself. But this is written after the biological uh, signification of life. If you take the signification of life with Cain and Abel, Mm -hmm. there is a crime. Mm -hmm. If you take Abraham, two, two brothers, Isaac, they Ismail. If you take Joseph and the brothers, the brothers are against uh, Joseph. What happens? Why it is written You have to you will love your brother. This is the symbolic law. The symbolic law is coming after the biologic act. And yeah. this I think is very interesting and i think and consciously there is a jewish heritage in the psychoanalysis of freud yes
1: i guess you won't keep you won't need to keep you won't need to keep saying you have to love your brother unless there was reason for it okay thank you very much thank you